0: Welcome to the Get With It podcast. I will be your host, Elizabeth. This podcast will focus on the decline of women in technology and how our grassroots organization works with the community to foster relationships and reducing the gap of women in tech. We will be talking with both men and women and how to continue to move the needle forward on those relationships. For more information, please check us out at getwithit.org. To another edition of the Get Wedded podcast. Today, my guest is, and everybody listening to this will be impressed if I get this right because, girl, I screw up last names horribly. So, Cynthia dunya Perfect. <laughs> Did I say it right? It's perfect. Yes. <laughs> Um, just so everyone listening um, and watching those knows, I had practiced that a few times before. We <laughs> said it. So, um, all right. So we're going to learn all about Cynthia here. And um, but I always like to first ask, where are you? Is that like you're, uh, like? Are you sitting outside? No, I am actually in a WeWork. I am
1: <laughs> lucky enough to have my own little office space in a WeWork because they were coming in at very, very amazing prices. And I locked myself in until July. So here we are. Oh, well, that's great. So where is here? In Los Angeles. I am okay. near the Beach in Playa del Rey.
0: All right. All right. So since uh, Pacific time. So mm-hmm. All right. All right. No wonder you didn't want to go grab a glass of wine. It's only like two o'clock there, right? <laughs> I was about to say you're like, go grab a wine. I was like, it's two o'clock, but I mean, you know, any time. A- <laughs> so you're all good because it's five o'clock here, Eastern Standard Time. So you're yeah. good. You are good. All right. So Cynthia, start off. Tell us about your background, how you got where you're going, where where how you got there, your journey, all that good jazz. Mm. Yeah, so I started working
1: in human resources about six years ago, which is crazy to say because it feels like it was just yesterday, (laughs) Um, but this was my first paid job, and I was extremely happy to be there, Um, but while I was there, I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on around me because I was young and excited and really enjoyed being there. Um, But a turning point for me, especially very early on, was when I filled out the EEOC report for that company. And I realized that I was the only Latina working in the organization in a non-genitorial capacity and that 80 percent of employees were white males. (laughs) Um, So not too long after that, I transferred into tech recruitment, which I soon realized was another industry that I found myself in where people did not look like me. And there wasn't a lot of representation. So I found myself searching for communities and other women that I could connect with um, and I could look up to or people that could give me guidance. And so there it was during that time that I realized how important I was in this new role because I was now the gatekeeper that had the power to give people from underrepresented backgrounds an opportunity, whether in that tech industry or at the very least that first interview, And so in recruitment, I fought and advocated to create a more diverse pipeline. And I worked with CEOs and VPs of recruitment and hiring managers to get them to see that people were qualified for these roles, even if they didn't look like the perfect candidate, which I always say does not exist. The perfect candidate does (laughs) not exist. (laughs) Um, But I got tired of working within a system that I knew was broken and that didn't give me much wiggle room to change it. So that's one of the many reasons that I've dedicated my career to uplifting diverse voices in the workforce by coaching on career development, self-advocacy, and allyship. Um, and I do that now by working full-time as a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant and then offering career coaching services on the weekend.
0: Oh, because oh, that's not enough to do during the week. <laughs> so, right? so, so you go ahead and open up your weekends to that
1: exactly. It's never, it's never enough.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So <clears throat> you had an aha moment. Yeah. And, and okay. And that was when
1: you were in human resources. That was when I was in human resources that it took. And, and I thought it was so crazy because I was like, why did it take an EEOC report for me to fill out, to realize that I was the only person here, um, that was different And I don't, I didn't really know what to make about that at the time, but it really did bring my awareness to the lack of diversity within the company.
0: So were you HR in, in a tech company? I was HR. It was a visual effects company. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then how did that transition to a recruiter in tech?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I actually was doing some career coaching a little bit in between human resources before I transferred into tech recruiting And specifically the company that I wanted to work for, they were an external recruiting company and their mission was all about helping people that not necessarily from underrepresented backgrounds, but helping people who don't look like the perfect candidate still get the job and get the job very easily. So a part of that role was Part career coaching, part recruitment. So, everyone that I helped get a job, I was also working through with on how to go about their interview or if there's any tips that the employer gave me that they can have that insight and that knowledge so that they can, you know, really make a difference in their interview process and get um, an offer at the end. So, it ended up being a little bit of a mix, which is why. I was very drawn to it because it had a mission of supporting people and it was also coaching, which is something that I had
0: done prior. Gotcha. <clears throat> okay. But you're not there anymore, correct? No, I was laid
1: off from that position, actually. <laughs>
0: um, was that and, due to COVID? Yeah, in 2020. Okay. So COVID affected that role. COVID affected that role, yes. Okay. All right. And so you're laid off and you're surfing one day. I just assume everybody in California surfs. <laughs>
1: I do not surf. I tried oh, to do it God. once and I almost drowned. So Oh.
0: That's <laughs> you tried it. So I did. Just... My theory may be correct no matter what. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> You have to at least do it once if you're from California. Maybe. Maybe that's the Maybe.
0: Maybe. All right. So you, um, you got laid off and then like, what, what, what are your like thoughts, right? When you get laid mm-hmm. off in that position and mm-hmm. then you're, you had to have an no oh shit moment, right? I definitely did have an no oh shit moment.
1: Um, I had actually started doing the career coaching business on the side in around January of 2020 and oh, okay. so what was really interesting was I was telling people and teaching people at the time because I was still in recruitment how to get a job during a pandemic and what to do when you've been laid off and so what it happened to me a few months later in April I had an oh shit moment of what am I going to do because I had actually done it and supported other people. In the process, but because that experience is so traumatic, I think losing your job is a very traumatic experience. You forget everything that you know for a split second. It's almost like when they say, you know, doctors can't work on family members because they're gonna forget training. I felt the exact same way because for a second I was like, I have no idea what to do, and I just want to sit down and cry for an hour, like hours and hours oh. and just not think about this. <laughs> um so what was good about that was that I actually still had my coaching business to support me and supplement my income for the coming months that came. Um, and I really just utilized that time to almost take a break because I had realized how burnt out I was from the tech industry. Um, and, you know, the challenges I think that just come from working at a startup in general. So I was coaching and just healing really from burnout until I found my next role that I wanted to go into, uh, which was in DEI. So diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, about, I got laid off in April, started my new job
0: in October. So, um, with, uh, I'm going to go with a different company.
1: Yes. I, I, started working for a different company. This company is specifically a DEI consulting firm. Um, so that's why I'm a DEI consultant underneath them.
0: Can you say who the company is? No, I, that's okay.
1: <laughs> I haven't asked. Oh, but, right. um,
0: <laughs> we'll just, we'll just say the firm. Can we just say the firm? <laughs> the firm, sure. Yeah, we'll go okay. with the firm. All right, we'll go with the firm. <clears throat> okay, mm-hmm. so you get this position and, um, I'm good. So as you know, being in tech, not only is it underrepresented minorities, but it's underrepresented women mm-hmm. in tech, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what we find, um, um, in the, in the tech industry, that it's not only underrepresented minorities in general, but it's higher that it's women. hmm So, so as you're in this role, so what do you, do you go into companies? How do you, what do you, how does your role work now? Yeah. So, Which, by the way, I think is fabulous.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah. So working in DEI, every DEI firm is different. Our specific firm uh, does essentially an audit process. So we're looking at all of your processes from, You know, hiring, recruitment, interviewing to what happens after someone is onboarded? What does their career development look like? What does their promotion process look like? What does feedback look like? Um, all the way up to, you know, social events, um, you know, and what you're necessarily doing to create an inclusive culture for your employees. And so we go through that entire process so that we can actually see. Where you're doing well, but also what places can be absolutely improved, and we actually get to see the numbers of what is the representation of your specific company. How does that add up to you know the full tech industry? You know, are you doing what an average tech company would be doing? Are you a little bit better off? Are you under that? Um, so that we can really evaluate where you are as a company, and then we work on your you know DEI roadmap, which is. How do we change the processes that you have to make it more inclusive, more equitable? Um, And, you know, do we need to give a few types of workshops? So anti-racism workshops or gender workshops, bias workshops, hiring workshops, um, you know, to help you through that roadmap and really help you change your processes.
0: I mean, that makes sense. Um, Girl, have there ever been moments where you've been, and you can be honest here, um, where you're sitting with a client, and you're like, you're bad. You're your your stuff's bad here. There I think you probably see it mean, really nice. You're like, oh well I could see some improvement, right? I would be like, this is bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I think, yes, you definitely look at companies and you're like, the I mean this this is pretty bad. This is and more often than not, that's how you're going to feel. You're not going to feel like, oh, they're doing all these great things and we have all these things to celebrate. You're more likely going to feel like there's a lot of work to do here. And we have to figure out a way to present that so that executives don't feel depressed after the meeting. Because for anyone, if you're getting feedback and you're only hearing all the things that you're doing wrong, that's not going to give you the motivation to do this. And you do have the right intention by coming to a firm to say, I want to build a more diverse and equitable company. So your intention is there. Okay, let's tell you about all the things that you are doing super, super well. And then let's dive deep (laughs) into what we can improve from there.
0: You're like, and then we're going to talk about the shit that you're not doing. Exactly. Oh boy. Okay. So I just ask random questions because I get fascinated. I think, have you ever made somebody so mad? I have not made someone mad, but like a client, I guess I should say.
1: Clients, I've never dealt with an angry client. I actually think what happens working in the DEI industry in general is you're going to get mad <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and you have to figure out how to deal with that because you're going to deal with more microaggressions than you would in a typical workplace because you have to talk about these difficult topics. You're going to deal with more people having pushback. You're going to get people that are a little frustrated with the plan or maybe say, you know, I don't really see why we need to fix this portion if it's a smaller percentage of the company that feel this way, because a lot of times people are going to try to fight you on numbers or play devil's advocate, Mm -hmm. right? Um, because normally the way you look at data, you say like, okay, what is the top percentage of people saying that's where we're going to go? Not necessarily what the smaller percentage of people are saying. So it it, it contradicts, I think what you've been taught, especially if you've gone to business school,
0: so
1: you have to almost, you're internally dealing with things yourself when people are saying, I don't feel like that's important. And you're trying to fight to explain why it's important. And also, this is why we were hired to tell you how to improve the company. So it's almost how do you deal with being angered on your own? You have to figure that out, not necessarily angering the client.
0: So do you go to like title boxing or boxing club, boxing (laughs) bike clubs to get that aggression out? Because you could be sitting there and you'll just, I could just imagine like, I could literally be throat punching somebody right now for, and it's, it's, I don't want to say ignorance. It's just lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so you must have to go to like, you probably go out to some big fight club out there <laughs> in California to, to release your crass. Well, I actually, I do,
1: I'll do more yoga meditation, but <clears throat> with different about, working in this industry is that if there's anything to ever happen, you can actually go to your coworkers or your boss and talk about it, which is a very big difference. I think when you're working in tech specifically at that tech company and something happens to you and you don't know whether or not you can go to your boss. Do you feel comfortable enough with this person? Do you feel safe enough with this person? You don't know if you can go to HR. Every single company is very different. A lot of times Mm -hmm. people don't feel like they can go to anyone. Um, sometimes they can go to a colleague, maybe sometimes they can't. So the difference here is anything that happens to me internally, externally, work-wise, whether it's about gender, race, um, you know, anything that's nitty gritty, and that's normally taboo to talk about, we very much openly talk about at this company. So it allows you to actually process what happens,
0: process what you're feeling, and not have to think about how you're going to say it. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So you have a kind of a support system
1: there is a support system and I think it's just specific to the to the field you know but we all of our clients almost all of our clients are tech companies so I'm still very much in that world (laughs) and dealing (laughs) with everything that comes with that.
0: Uh, Totally understood but this um, who you're working for now is not a like a startup right this is or is it?
1: Yeah I think Uh, they started in 2018
0: or 2019 was when the company started. Oh, okay. So they are. Smaller (laughs) consulting firm. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. So I just like to ask these random (laughs) questions. So, um, you said yoga, is there anything else? Oh, and you like to surf with the sharks. I got that point. Mm -hmm. What, what other things do you do out there in sunny California? Well, not much since the pandemic happened.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I'm big on, like I said, yoga, meditation. I have been trying out a new type of exercise. I'm not very big on exercise. I'm the kind of person that would rather never do it. Oh, but yeah, I'm I- with you. <laughs> Uh, before the pandemic, I was going to dance classes twice a week because that was fun just to go to a dance studio, but then that closed. So I've been trying to find some <laughs> fitness classes that aren't too intense and kill me um but can give me a little bit of a workout. So I've been trying that out, but i I like paid for the membership and I've only gone twice, so we're probably <laughs> canceling soon.
0: <laughs> so with Covid how has that affected? I mean, it affected your life personally by being laid off, but as far as being in this new role and how that is, is, have you seen the difference? I mean, like from your perspective, um, you know, everybody went virtual. How does that affect the companies you're working with? Because, um, A lot of times people will have said on the podcast that that interaction people have isn't happening anymore like you would in the office and people are feeling alone and unsupported and and that kind of stuff. Have you, what have you seen on your side?
1: Yeah, it's something that I hear very often, especially when I'm working with companies. So many people feel isolated they feel like they can't reach out to their coworkers just to grab a coffee chat you know or or take the time to just talk about nothing and everything because <laughs> something should be set up for work if you're going to be setting up a meeting it should be work related or project related and people don't feel that they have that outlet or that opportunity to meet with their colleagues and have that extra fun time or maybe they're so burnt out that they don't even want to like another virtual call sounds more exhausting, but then you're still feeling isolated and you're still in the state of exhaustion and burnout. So it's affected. There has not been one company that I've spoken to that it has not affected and everyone is going through it. But I think, you know, to move forward from that, you really, as a company, need to think about, okay, what are the dedicated hours that people should be having Um, and really have an openness about if you want to talk to your colleagues, you know, set aside X amount of time and schedule that out so that it doesn't feel like I'm working from 7am to 7pm at night because I'm constantly getting notifications. So it's more about, I think, really developing your culture, whether you want to be an asynchronous culture and you want to say everyone can work their own hours at different times Or if you want to be a very specific culture on certain hours, set those hours and make sure that notifications aren't being given or allow people to close them off at a certain time so that you're not
0: feeling like you're constantly on. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's been hard, but, you know, and I can only imagine, um, like I'm not shy, so I will like get on teams and call somebody, (laughs) But I can imagine somebody who's especially in the tech industry, an introverted individual. And if you're one of the minorities, you might not think like, oh, I can just call somebody and say, Hey, what what are you doing? Or how's your day going? Or that kind of stuff. So um yeah, that's that's tough. So do you have any um have any of your clients said that they're gonna be back in person or Are most of your clients in the area that you're at?
1: Uh, No, we are. They are cross-country worldwide. So many calls (laughs) with Germany, with Japan, with London, all all around. Um, But I have heard some people say that they want to go back to the office and there's a specific, you know, expected date on when they plan to. But there's no plan in place necessarily. It's more we're estimating we should start our back to the office plan around here. That can always be pushed. So nothing is set in stone. And I haven't spoken to a company that is like, we've created a plan. We know we're going back to the office at this time, because I think right now it's so unknown and Mm -hmm. we're only all starting to get our vaccinations now. So if, if anything, I think it'll probably be pushed a little bit more, but no one has has really had a set plan of, we need to get back to the office
0: now. So when you have to have a call with like Japan, where how what do you have to adjust your hours, girl? They're like, what's the time difference?
1: I don't even know the time difference. I don't <laughs> hit <laughs> I I just get on calls, but typically when I have crazy hours with clients that are outside of our time zone, I will swap my schedule. So I'll say, do not. Give, I'm not going to allow people to schedule anything in the morning or the afternoon. And I'm going to swap it for a later one um, or an earlier one. So after like 2 p.m., if I have a very early call, then I'm off of work. So I just make sure that I'm scheduling that out so that I'm not working from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. at night. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's typically how I go about it in terms of flexibility to make sure that I'm not burning myself out.
0: Makes sense. Yeah, because, you know, people... It's too easy. The computer's at home, you know, everything's connected. It's too easy to, to not jump on and, and get that. But um, do you speak German? I do not speak German. <laughs> oh. Do you speak, I feel like, are you like bilingual? Because I, how do you communicate?
1: Yeah, so I will I am bilingual. I speak Spanish, but I've yet to have a Spanish client. So that's unfortunate in my situation. Um, (laughs) But they most of the clients that we work with, they have offices based in the US. So everyone speaks English. They're normally bilingual or trilingual or more, depending on you know the area that you're based in. And so we typically speak English in the calls, but I always feel bad, at least just as an American, expecting other people to speak English. And sometimes people will even apologize like, oh, I'm sorry, I, you know, my English isn't that good or sorry, I can't think of this word. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't speak any German. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, I don't speak any part of your language. So please, like, I will, I will be here. I will work with you. We can figure this out together. But please do not apologize to me because I, I can't even meet you halfway.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that's that's, you know, um, that's tough. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow, <laughs> I couldn't imagine. And you know, like with language barriers, the US, I mean, we talk short, right? Like we LOL things and make jokes and you know, and most cultures are like I don't under what is happening. <laughs> <laughs> so it's different so I can manage that challenge just alone so what do you think is your biggest what is your biggest challenge my biggest challenge in the role working in DEI or yeah like when you meet a client for the you get all that data and whatnot what is like the biggest challenge you face hmm. I think
1: in the work at uh, the biggest challenge is always going to be your internal challenges. So a lot of times you have to balance what you're hearing from employees and what you're hearing from people all the, and, and, um, you know, what you want to report to the company and making sure that you're supporting the company as much as possible. So an example of that is, you know, I'm going on these interviews because we have, um, we have to interview people at the company to know what's going on internally just to get some um, qualitative data. And a lot of times those interviews can feel like therapy sessions and you can get people that start crying on the call. You can get people that you know, are sharing their deepest, not so much secrets, but just experiences of what has happened to them. And every situation is so different and it's hard to disconnect yourself from this person and the story, right? Because you you want to be the social justice warrior that's like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna help and I'm gonna try to save as many people as possible, and um, you know you can't allow yourself to get angry because of this because you are there to do a job and you are going to be a part of creating a more inclusive culture, right? But you can't allow yourself to take in the emotions of someone else, and I think that's the most. Challenging part is you are listening to so many stories. And that's when you're starting to also, you know, really understand that there are multiple truths, right? Like just because this happened doesn't mean that's not true. Or just because that happened doesn't mean that's not true. And you have to really be able to hold all of those in one place and weave a story, especially when you're presenting at the end to say, here are all of the intricacies and the complexities that are going on in your company. But I I also struggled with feeling like, what do I do just in this interview, especially if it happens to be a more intense interview? What do I do to make someone feel better? Because at this moment in time, there's nothing that I can do. And so I really focus in those interviews on making someone feel heard and acknowledged and supported. So if there's nothing else that I can do for you today, I'm allowing you to let it all out. And I'm here to, I'm here to listen and I'm here to support. And I'm here to tell you that everything that you're feeling is valid and true. If no one else told you that, you know, if anyone else told you that it's not real or it was small or it was subtle, or it wasn't someone being sexist or wasn't someone very, it was, and you deserve to have that validated and someone believe you. So that's kind of what I focus there to not. Not get too much in my head and not become depressed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man. The emotional attachment must be crazy. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Oh my god. Okay. So do you have like a big success story? A big success story. Um
1: I, I mean, I think in terms of the company, they do have you know, clients that they've worked with, even like before me, right now we're in the middle of audit processes, but they do have clients that have, you know, from their initial, you know, demographics that they had and their processes that they had, they have become much more inclusive and equitable and it's shown even through their growth. Um, So I think in terms of success at, at the company, they have had a lot of clients that have become better and they've improved the all the challenges are never solved, but they are working towards it, and that's I think what we have to just accept like we're constantly going to improve. It's never going to be perfect. Um, but in terms of my you know just personal success, I've had people reach out to me afterwards, just thanking me for being there or saying, "I've never felt so heard and acknowledged until I spoke to you or." I just appreciate you taking the time to listen or just have shown me so much gratitude for something that I feel is very small. You know, it's just a a 50 to 60 minute conversation, but I've gotten messages from people telling me how impactful that was. And to me, that almost feels like the most successful part.
0: Well, that's so sweet that people appreciate that. I mean, it's nice to know that people still appreciate other people. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so let's talk about the side biz.-hmm. Okay, so the side biz is um, career coaching, did you say?
1: Yes, the side biz is career coaching. So okay. uh, yeah, I mean, I started it like I mentioned in January of 2020, and it was right before the pandemic hit. But what had always bugged me and just bugged me so much about career coaching, was the fact that it's so expensive uh, and it can be anywhere from like a hundred to three hundred dollars a session, and me being me uh, obviously sees that it makes it inaccessible for people who may not have the money to pay and you normally need multiple sessions, but that's not always feasible for people. so that's why I had started a coaching business where you know my practice is about like thirty to fifty dollars a session to make it equitable and then I coach people on everything from interviews to resumes, to networking, to their branding, or even starting their own side business. Um, And I specifically focus on tech career paths or creative career paths.
0: And this is still around diversity or is this just anybody, everybody can reach out? This is anybody,
1: anybody, anybody, everybody can reach out. Um, I just have that like equitable value as, as part of me. So it was just in me starting my business, but it's not, it's not closing the door for anyone. It's just allowing people, uh, whoever wants to work with me that that may not be able to afford, you know, $300 a session.
0: Yeah, understood, man, that's, yeah, wow. Um, do you have a website? Like how do people contact you if they're um, seeking this? Yeah, so I do have a website. It is Ordoña.com, which I know. Oh boy. (laughs) That just threw everybody off. (laughs) Threw everyone off. Everybody's like, oh damn, what was I okay?
1: (laughs) So the only difference there is just the N has the little NY in Spanish, but uh, you know, typically I'll just send people the link. They don't have to worry about how to spell it. They just get the link to my business. And, And I started getting you know, a lot of people that worked with me when I was a recruiter. And from there, because I was on LinkedIn, a lot of my clients just come from referrals of former clients that I have, or people that, you know, connect with me via social media on LinkedIn, because I post a lot of just tips and tricks every week for people. Um, you know, if they, again, they don't have that monetary um, expense,
0: they can still at least get some free content. That's good. That's good. Well, will your name will be attached to this. So they can look you up in LinkedIn. And then um, message you because mm-hmm. um, or dunya no, I didn't say that right or dunya <laughs> or dunya oh, yeah. Man. see, I'm old, my brain stopped working after I said it the first time I was just proud of myself <laughs> for saying it the first time, That I was just like, okay <clears throat> alright, so this, the, the side gig though, girl you could do that full time <laughs> I could do it full-time and I was technically doing it full-time
1: after I got laid off because it was what was giving me income <laughs> to continue to right. pay all of my bills. But I, I just wanted something a little bit more, you know, I, in a lot of these, um, sessions, it's really focused on, you know, how do we get a job? How do we work on, you know, um, your interviewing skills? How do we get like a promotion? Um, and and ask my manager for a higher salary and the I struggle with myself with these both with both of these things because I'm almost teaching people how to navigate a system that wasn't really meant for them to thrive and on what I wanted was to actually face these systems head-on and say well can we change them entirely so that someone wouldn't have to go through something like this you know um, as a woman, especially if you're trying to negotiate your salary, you're trying to get a higher position, it's going to be harder for you than if you were a man. And then you can still be coached on all of the best and amazing tips and tricks for negotiation. And you might get backlash for it because there's a bias there on, you know, how a woman should act and how a man should act. And so- I can support and help so much by giving all of these tips, but I also wanted to look at these systems and say, well, can we do something on the back end to actually change this problem so that you're not facing backlash for asking for what you're worth to begin with um, and actually being given that equitable opportunity, or even just given the same salary to start with without having to fight for it. That would be right. nice.
0: Yeah. Women do not, I don't, every woman does not man they're worth so much more and we do not demand that at all and we we should I sound like I'm gonna start an uprising we should (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah but like um I have lots of anxiety around my rate um you know I'm an agile coach and um when it comes to it, I'm, I always have a lot of anxiety because I'm like, what if they think I'm not worth this amount? Or what if I'm selling myself short and, and dudes don't have that problem. They go in very confident and yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the, the difference. Yeah.
1: You, you see people or specifically men, they don't have it. They don't even have it figured out. They've just decided that they want to ask for it. Exactly. (laughs) And it works. But the problem, essentially, is that there is this bias. And they had a study done where they had a man and a woman give the same pitch to investors to invest in a company. And they said that the man's pitch was, you know, more detailed, very comprehensive, really well done. And then when they were looking at the woman's, they were like, Oh, you know, I just feel like she doesn't have the right experience. Or like they were finding holes. In her story. And it was the exact same one (laughs) that they had both pitched, but he was more competent. Right. And it was just because of this perceived bias that you have, you know, based on your experience in the world on who you think is a better person to run the company or who you think is a better person to invest in. And these investors were men and women. So we both have those biases. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. that just men are perceiving it. It's men and women both play into these gender stereotypes more often than not. And again, it's not just about coaching on how do we get her to pitch the best pitch she's ever done in front of these investors. It's how do we get people on the other side to actually see their biases and see that they're not giving people a chance.
0: Right, exactly. I mean, that's where we're falling short, um, as, a, as a whole, you yeah. know, organized or, you know, like companies. And so, all right. Well, um, I love what you're doing. This is fabulous. Um, it's so funny because, um, with get with it, I was trying to think of the community and the women and the underrepresentation we have within our community and we're a safe space, right? Like we encourage women to come and use us support, we'll support you and empower you. And, um, it it's become really relevant, um, as we continue to grow that, um, we need more diversity, um, within get with it. And so I love what you're doing, girl.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I, I, you asked like, why do you do this to yourself? Why do you put the extra pressure on yourself? And I just can't, (laughs) I cannot help it. There's just something in my being that is trying to support and change and morph the world in some way. And I, I think about not doing one or giving up one. And at this point in time, it just does not feel like I would not feel fulfilled without knowing both sides. But maybe one day I'll give myself a break.
0: Maybe. But you're young. So you got, you you can do it. You could be the, the the superhero here. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. So, all right. Well, um, I'm gonna post in the show notes. And LinkedIn is probably the best way to get a hold of you, message you if someone's interested in in the asking more about coaching or your diversity inclusion and how that all works is that the best way for for our community to reach out to you yeah so linkedin also has all my links so it'll have the link to my
1: website also has the link uh to you know the consulting firm that i work at And in addition to a YouTube channel that I do just to give people career coaching advice um, in general, if anyone just needs help, but again, doesn't want to hire a coach yet or doesn't feel like um, they're, they want to invest in that. So LinkedIn would be the best place, but even if you reached out to me through my website or anything like that, I'm always available on all platforms. It's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate part that I'm, (laughs) <laughs> always available on all social platforms, but I, yeah,
0: <laughs> that's the way we are right now. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, that was, that is awesome. So um, I thank you for taking the time um, to chat with me today. And um, you're a busy lady and uh, I would have said you should have drank, but I understand that it's only two, Forty four there by now. So uh maybe you can have some fun Friday. No, yeah. yeah I mean, maybe
1: no, I can. I I'm not doing anything else after this call. So
0: oh, oh, you have the rest of the day off. So there you go. All right. Well, um, I appreciate your time and for coming on and telling us everything um around your life and what you do. It's very inspiring. And uh I um I, I, I think we should stay connected. Maybe one day we'll have a get with it chapters out there in California, and I can be like, "Go see my girls go." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll point and out I'm always there. There. <laughs> I'm always there. I'm
1: always there for any like any get together, any party, any person. That's
0: <laughs> I'm happy ready. in an hour now, right? Yes. And maybe I'll just have to make a trip to California just for the fun of it, right? Yeah, I mean,
1: it, we have to experience the different parts, you know, you d- we can't just say whether or not, we- you could try surfing too.
0: <laughs> I could, I could. I'm really old though, there's no, I don't think I could stand on a board, so.
1: There's no age for anything, I think that's Ugh. another construct you tell
0: me. <laughs> 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 Until <laughs> I break a bone and then... <laughs> Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. We will see you next time and feel free to drop us a line at getwitted.org.